Welcome to Ticket to Gamehenge, the podcast that discusses the science behind how to get your friends and family to love our favorite band, Fish, as well as other fish-related topics from the community. You can grab a free chapter of the book at TicketToGameHenge.com. My name is Adam, and joining me as always is my good buddy, Dr. K. All right. Yes, that one's going to hit the red on the sound charts. That all right, that's going to spike and hurt somebody's eardrum. Sorry about that. Um, what's happening? How you doing, Dr. K? I'm good, Adam. How are you? What's new? Uh, oh, you know, this is it. In terms of fish, not a lot's new, new. Um, when we left off last time, I told you I was going to go back and listen to uh, some of the tab stuff. I only listened to the one show. Uh, which uh, I think if you're going to pick a show from the tab tour in the fall, it would be, and I'm already spacing on the date, but the one where Fishman joined in kind of last minute and they just jammed it out all night long. I think they played a four song first set and a six, seven song second set. Uh, so I checked that out and it was great. It was definitely not fish, obviously. And anytime we listen to tab, we kind of joke around. It's the world's best fish cover band. Um, but it, it's, uh, it was good. It was good. I would recommend it just to just to kind of see. You can obviously hear how in sync Trey and Fishman are, and it, it's almost as if the other guys are trying to play along and get in there. And uh, the bassist, although good, obviously plays a little bit differently. And you know, and listening to Gutta Jabu, it, it's got a different take on it. So if you're looking for a little bit of a change of pace and something to check out, I would say that might not be a bad one to listen to. Um, I also went back and I've been listening to a lot more of the 1.0. It's been sucking me in, man. I can't help it. Uh, and I'm talking like 94, 94, 1.0 in specific. I, I think I'm going to uh, go on a bit of a tear and try to listen to a lot more of that. Um, it reminded me of something that I saw on Reddit earlier. I don't think I would say, but I'll just bring it up. And it was um, uh, in 1.0, were they more of a rock and roll band or a jam band? So when I listened and go back to those shows, there's not a lot of type two jamming. They, they just weren't really doing a ton of it then yet. Um, but they're rock songs. Like when I think of like arena rock and what they were bringing, some pretty, pretty great stuff there. What do you think? Uh, I think the, excuse me, I think the best way to describe this band in terms of style is it's fish. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that. Yeah, it's, it's tough to. Right, like, cause when I picture rock music, I don't, I picture Fish has elements of rock music, but it's not quite rock music. Can we agree it was a lot more rocky in that mid-90s era when they were really on that trajectory? I mean, it, the, the way a lot of the songs were structured, if you listen to a lot of those shows, they are upbeat rock shows. There's, there's not a lot of the ballads. There's not a lot of the slower jamming. It's very upbeat. Very well, I mean, yeah, if you wanted to find rock music as like upbeat, I would definitely agree with upbeat. But I mean, the compositions and, you know, the, the way that they were writing music in the early 90s, early 90s was just after Rift, if I remember correctly. Right? Rift Rift came out in 93, 93, but a lot of the songs from Rift were written 91, 92, like, you know, yeah. they take some time to make it to an album. Yeah. So, I mean, those, I don't know. I hear those songs. It's, I don't know. It doesn't, you know, I, it's Ice doesn't remind me of a rock song. You know, Mound doesn't really remind me of a rock song. Like it's got rock elements, but I, I definitely agree there was more energy and there was more like, yeah, we'll show yeah. you. 
Yeah, and 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 although they went in a lot of different places, the lane was a little bit more narrow compared to obviously to where they're going now with all the different tools they have and experience they have. But um, it's just interesting when you think back to that time because I was listening to a lot of fish. They were so different than anything else. Like it was, they were a bunch of aliens. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. So I, um, as you know, I listen to music uh, with the kids at that time and um, I'm on, I'm an Apple music guy and it recommends things based on your prior listening. So because I'll throw on fish and I'll throw on uh, Dave from time to time and I'll throw on the nineties uh, band, I get a lot of nineties rock band recommendations. And when I read through them, I'm like, these guys are nothing like what fish was doing at that time. I see collective soul. I see gin blossoms, Hootie and the Blowfish shows up in my thing every now and then. Uh, Pearl Jam obviously does. A little bit of Soundgarden in there. Nirvana doesn't get recommended to me because I'm not a big Nirvana guy. But, you know, uh, Foo Fighters, I guess, would be in there from a band from the 90s. Green Day even, which I don't necessarily listen to. And you think about those big bands of the time. Fish is so different. They're just doing their own thing, which is pretty cool. And who's, and still, and who's still playing now out of all those bands? I mean, I guess Green Day is still t together, but they're not, you know, active like like fish obviously pearl jam just came off of an album some shows i think if i'm not mistaken um well now it's it's even interesting because now i mean you know we have bands that have grown up listening to fish and the influence is obviously there so now it's less unique because there's a whole scene yeah right and there's still a scene around it whereas you know who did you have you had the dead and then you had I'm sure there was other, you know, widespread panic and those other bands have been there for decades, but it was nothing like that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Nothing. Um, kind of staying on that topic. This is a thread that I really enjoyed kind of reading through and it was, it's called, it's only a day old. So I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it yet, but uh, I'll kind of read it from a poster called good ginger. Um, are there certain, so songs they play better now they're older. Are there certain songs that they tend to play better now that they are older and more experienced? For example, high energy rock and roll songs like Chalk Dust Torture may have been better in the 90s, but what about a song like Theme from the Bottom? I was just listening to Vegas 97 and they sounded impatient and rushed on theme, but Chalk Dust earlier in that same set sounded great. Thoughts? So think about the, the catalog and songs that they actually so, better now versus when they're younger it's hard for me to separate nostalgia and the first time that i heard it okay you know i would never i would never call the songs rushed um so i'm gonna say no i can't think of anything off the top of my head where i'm like i like this better now than i did back in the day okay um, maybe maybe some of us will trigger some thoughts. Uh, one of the first comments: I generally like the newer Karinis. Crowd and band energy seems higher, which adds to that. And then, yeah, this one would be my choice too. Went from sort of a joke song to one of the prime jam vehicles. When you think about the genesis of Karini that came out in end of '97, going to '98, and shelled for a little bit, it was just an inside joke about Pete Karini, one of their one of their crew guys, and. Um, it's turned into, you know, the angry 2.0 jam, jam vehicle that people, that people tend to love. Um, not that they necessarily play it better. I think it's just evolved in a different way. And yeah. I think that's one thing that is really true of this band is that they would almost say like, Hey, we just work here. You know, the, the music has naturally evolved and done what it's done. And it's clearly not a conscious choice. It's how they play, how they want to change it up. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's tough to say better. 
you know, like, again, it's, that's why it's hard to, it's hard for me to separate nostalgia from what's actually objectively better. It's a, version, it's a version of the song. It's not like I listen to these songs now and I'm like, oh, they're garbage. So you've commented on this before, not to that uh, garbage extreme you just mentioned there, but uh, I think you'd probably agree with this one. To me, Antelope is the best example of a song that is diminished compared to 1.0, yeah. right? It, it's, it's, but it's the, it's, and the reason that it has, it's because it's the nature of the song. Hmm. Right? It's like David Bowie, like David Bowie, the whole purpose of David right. Bowie to build to this like absolutely insane climax where they play as hard and as fast and as brutal as you can. And then it kind of falls away and it comes back. And that's the point of the song. Like that's one of the dynamics. The show that I, the show that I just played. Yeah. Yeah. And the show that I just finished, uh, December 1st, 95, um, it's got a Bowie that ends the, the second set that has a lot of tension, a lot of buildup, a lot of, it's got catapult in the middle there. Like it's, it's, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's definitely one that's changed. Have uh, you, uh, have you listened, I'm going to, sorry, this is going to be a total spoiler, but have you listened to like the, I think it's like a 35 minute David Bowie from 94 yet? I don't think so. Well, maybe I have, but not that I can recall. I should. It, it's on the app. Like, if you hear this version, you'll recall it. It's like one of those ones where you're like, what? Like it's a release. It's it's on. Uh, it's a it's an official release. It's I think December the I want to say either like early December or like December 29th. Here I'll look it up. You said 94. 94, yeah. Got it right here. So December 1st from Salem, Oregon is not it um november 30th 94 29th 29th of december yeah okay. december 94 providence okay i'm gonna download that bad boy and listen to it tonight for sure yeah um, like it's, you just hear it and you're just like what nice. very good um Let's see here. Uh, Tr Trey's voice on more heartfelt songs or songs with a more emotional tone are better now. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I was listening to uh, "If I Could" from '94, yeah. which brand new song. Then compared to you know, obviously we're 27 years later, but uh, compared to now, there's a lot more emotional tone that goes into it. Um, uh, that, 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 uh, I think a lot of the joy stuff really started to hit its stride around Baker's dozen <laughs> eight years after it came out. Okay. <laughs> uh, getting tighter and better rehearsed. I actually enjoy Ocelot now and don't mind joy. Sometimes they make it through a sugar shack without pissing in my ears. LOL. Um, like, I like sugar shack. Yeah. What's I mean, with sugar shack, man. I think, I honestly think some of Mike's songs are polarizing. They are hundred percent. Yeah, and that's a Mike song, right? Um, I feel like Rage is a song that they sound more inspired in 3.0 than they did in the 90s. Yeah, I don't, I don't, dis I don't necessarily disagree. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> check out 1229.97 theme original poster. Then, then, then contact me when you find a better one in 3.0. I, I imagine I won't be hearing from you. <laughs> My favorite, my favorite theme from the bottom was, uh, it still is, it's the Deer Creek show they played for dinner in a movie when they opened the show. Oh my God. 1995, I think, something like yeah. that. Yeah. I can still see the black screen with the green graphics. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's great. You can kind of go back and pick your favorite one. Um, slow llama. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, obviously they've evolved. Uh, they've changed. Um, kind of speaking along that tone, but a different question. I, I, I like this thread too. It was posted within an hour of the other one. Fellow 1.0 fans, what pre 2.0 song did you think would be in regular rotation forever, but ended up becoming more of a rarity? Right. So uh, some comments there. Uh, so the person, the original poster, for me, it's Gaiuti. When that first song first came out, I thought for sure it would be a concert staple for years to come. But then not so much as the years rolled by. Yeah, but is that even a fair question? There's so much material. Like we're over like 300 songs now. Yeah. And, and there's even, you know, comments of um, that Fluffhead, you know, kind of went away during the 1.0, late 1.0, 2.0 phases and made a comeback in 3.0. Yeah. And that kind of happens with songs, right? Even like Karini. Yeah. The same thing has happened there where um, it's made a really, really big comeback. Um, Gula Papyrus. Um Never thought Fluffhead or Glide would be out of regular rotation, although Fluff has made a bit of a comeback. Yeah, Glide's not in there. Um, Billy Breathes. Hmm. They never Billy. played Billy Breathes that much. They played Billy Breathes like in 96 when the album came out. They played it more. Yeah. Only but played 60 really times over the last 21 years. Um, Vultures. All right. That's a great, that's a great tune. That, that makes great tune. I don't know. I just never, that one just never pictured as a staple for me. But yeah, I guess, you know, when, when you've got 300 songs in the catalog, plus covers, plus new Halloween music and, and, plus and, new and covers, if six solo stuff, Mike solo stuff, you know, uh, it's, I mean, yeah, I guess it's going to make those types of songs a little bit more rare and a little bit more special when you do get to hear them. And ones that we're hearing a lot now slowly go away. Like Number Line is one that's, I think, in, tw in 2009 and 2010, God, every second or third show, you'd hear that song and uh, got a lot of shit. And in the past few years, it's kind of come back around and people dig it. There's songs like, like when's the last time they played Stealing Time from the Faulty Play? Mm. Right? Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, it was a big early 3.0 song. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of it. Um, yeah, it's Ice, Mound, Axela, making a bit of a comeback lately. Spock's Brain, Punch You in the Eye. Yeah, it, it, where's that been? Where's they played it a lot. They played it in summer tour. Once. Yeah. They opened a show with it. The fourth or fifth show with it or something like that. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Esther. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's really accurate. Piper. Yeah, there's just so many good songs, but hey, when they do come on, you start to hear those first few notes. You know that feeling. Like, oh, yeah. But again, like with every, you know, with every rarity, it's, um, you know, it's, um, it becomes more special. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. For sure. Um, and then the other thing that I, that I saw that was sort of interesting um, and a bit of a debate, uh, you know, some fans like to kind of fight and shit on each other. Uh, somebody posted, who invented the type two jam? And that was sort of a jumping point off from there. And a lot of different people weighing in on different things. Uh, uh, the first comment is uh, jazz, um, right? Uh, and then somebody posted a link to a man named John Flynn on rec.music.fish in 1997. Give it a Google, fish.net has an article about it. And I guess this fan kind of posted about what Fish was doing at the time. Um, 
it kind of really clarified out what they felt 2.0 was. What And then 3.0 is mentioned, or no, not 3.0, sorry, type two, type one, type three. What's a type three jam? I don't know. I've never heard that terminology. It's referenced in here, but nobody really ever kind of explains what it is. Um, so I'll kind of read this explanation. So the real quick, so the real question is, when does it mean to departure from a song's original structure? Is it the key that the song is in, the tempo, or feel? What John's post on the internet years ago did was distill knowledge provided by historical improvised music and apply it to fish. There are a ton of ways that musicians can fuck with the song while improvising. In one interview, Trey mentions that fish would like to go down in history as rock's jazz quartet. The discussion on rec.music.fish in the 90s began treating fish's music that way. Type 2 became a way to talk about the music in a broader way while still acknowledging that it wasn't straight up jazz. Um, the phrase was coined on the internet while discussing the fish jams. Um, yeah, there was a really another good point that I wanted to bring up from this. Uh, essentially, type 2 jam is an improvisation that departs from the structure of the song from which it sprang, which we know. In Fish's case, this usually means that a new impromptu structure, keys, modes, rhythm, tempo, timing, is created along the way. This is not to be confused with free jazz or what the Grateful Dead called space, music that is seemingly devoid of focus or a destination. Was that a big thing with the dead? Just making space and just kind of whatever? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Was it any good? No. Sometimes? I mean... Up. I mean, I think there was, you have to keep in context, right? Like what it would be like at the show and like tripping and hearing something like that would probably be pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, there's definitely, um, it feels like we're in an era where we could get a type two on any song. We do, we, but we have, like they've showed us that, you know, yeah. like I think full, I think Soul Planet was kind of like, the oh hey by the way yeah we can do this whenever we feel like it or NICU on NICU night same thing yeah. right? song that's virtually never been jammed and they did that on the jammies night during Baker's Dozen as well didn't they jam sample in a jar wasn't that sort jar, of lawn boy. they did lawn boy yes it's the lawn boy the joke right yeah yeah good stuff good stuff more two point more I can't want two point oh type two jamming my god yeah. So, so, type, so type three is just noise? Is that what type three is? I think. Like there wasn't really, let me see if I can find the link. Um, so I can leave my guitar like the feedback and and that would be like a that would be I'm doing some type three jamming now. Let's see here. So this is a link right to the jamming types on fish.fish.net. And it calls out a lot of different type ones. Jamming type type one. Porno funk. What? <laughs> Porno funk is the funkified cow funk sound that evolved throughout 1997, particularly in the summer and fall US tours, especially in also Sprock, Cities, Ghost, Gumbo, and Wolfman's Brother. Though there was an attempt to label this type three, neither that nor even Porno funk was popularized as widely as type two, and by comparison, though not as common type one. This is because many feel that this is not a type of jamming, but something closer to a genre like funk, and that types one and two jamming could occur within various contexts of which Fish, Fish adopts many, rock, jazz, funk, reggae, folk, bluegrass, et al. Charlie Dirksen posted 112197, the following excursus of examples. So there you go. This is a sort of a failed attempt at, at labeling that type of jam. Yeah, so typically, typically it's a failed attempt because there's really no, there's not a jam, yeah. right? There's no concept there. Right, 
It's just we're adding some waka 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 and some yeah no fuck cow funk. Who comes up with that term? Cow funk. What the hell is cow have to do with it? It's interesting that that one's stuck. You know, is it because it's like Vermont dairy? Like I don't know. Is that why? I'm I, I'm asking the same question. I really don't know. I don't really know. Um, yeah. So what else is going on? I mean, it's pretty much everything I had. I mean, in terms of stuff that I've been listening to, like I said. Early fish has been really exciting. I'll check out the 1229.94 show. Always like a good 1229. Usually delivers 1229 shows. Yeah, we got one coming up, right? Yeah, it's a 29th, 30th, 31st, and the first. So that's the next show. That's good. Anything else I should be checking out? What are you listening to that's not fish these days? Um, I actually was gonna send you, I will I will send you the link. I'm listening to um uh, Les Claypool's flying frog breed okay i'll send you the link to it what's he up to he's touring with i have no idea Hmm. i have no idea i'm listening to well here let me let me go through let me send you this and then i will go through uh my phone and tell you exactly what i've been listening to i've been i listened to charlie christensen this morning who's that who is kind of like the godfather of like jazz and swing. Okay. Um, probably a lot of weird stuff. Let's see. Uh, do you know who um, Alan Holdsworth is? No. Alan Holdsworth was, was Frank Zappa's favorite guitar player. Okay. And it's like this jazz fusion guy and he is, it's like outer space music, man. Really? Yeah. It's, pretty interesting i don't know if i even like it i'm just listening to it to get my ear listening to this stuff yeah what like from the 60s and 70s no no he this one is leverkusen 2010 oh wow yeah yeah he just passed away um you know and then stuff like black flag Mm -hmm. is on here Mm -hmm. and uh the other one that i just listened to yesterday was uh, the butthole surfers oh yeah those guys i've heard of and you? What are they known for? Me, I, honestly, not a ton other than 1.0 fish and like bath time stuff. Like I, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, my mornings are generally podcasts and the F1 podcast on Monday morning to follow up on the race, which by the way, crazy race weekend. I don't know if you watched that. Good for Lewis, man. Lewis was awesome. Oh my God. What a weekend he had. It was he just... totally, dude, he brought himself back into the race. If, if he had finished out of points and Verstappen won the race, it'd be over. Well, you know, but the whole thing with the sprint qualifying that happened there the whole weekend, right? Like he, he qualified pole back of the grid for that made up 15 places out of the 20 in the grid back to 10th for the five place grid penalty. And then one, um, and the next three races, uh, they've never been to before. I mean, Abu Dhabi they have, but they've changed that layout and they resurfaced that track and the next two, they've never been. So anything can happen, but I don't know what that has to do with fish, but Hey um oh yeah podcast in the morning oh it's been a podcast have you been listening to undermine at all no so it's been it's been interesting this season um they've done it all about the fans and the fan experience uh which obviously ties into music but there's not a lot it's just more about fans talking about their their stories um all this other stuff so if i go kind of through the episode listing they've kind of gone through um i guess how one sort of discovers the band all the way up to the first show to uh, shake down to the the lot scene, all of it. So uh, 
So episode one is, hey, check out this band. And it's about how people got into fish and what sparked them in the early, like I was, my buddy dragged me to a, a show with people from my dorm and there was 30 people there type stories uh, to let's go on tour, right? What does that mean? And what is that, you know, how do you survive? How do you make the money? Uh, you know, are you selling grilled cheese on the lot, making crafts? Are you all that sort of stuff? Um, load in, um, which is, I think about the crew. Yeah, that one's about the crew and kind of uh, uh, the whole setup and the stage and the sound and all that stuff. Episode four is about the lot. Uh, five is doors. So basically that whole episode is about the 10 minutes from the lot scene as you get in and you get settled in and the anticipation building and all of that. Uh, episode six is lights. Uh, episode seven is set break, which was interesting because set break was all about... Um, inclusion and understanding there's all kinds of different types of fans there's you know there's gay fans there's sober fans there's fans that are dis disabled there's all that stuff and then the last episode last week was about set two and what set two is all about so not any specific references to certain shows or certain songs but just people telling their experiences and how kind of stuff that we've talked about it's all about what was going on that night with the friends with the all the stuff that was going on it doesn't necessarily read as the best as the best set to or the best shows on paper it's so much about the experience and how fish is an experience and that's something that i always find difficult to tell people when they come up in conversation or bring up that they're my favorite band it's you know we kind of touched on earlier what genre is it well it's fish and it's so much more than just the music the music is the root of it all but they're an experience. And, and that's a tough thing to explain to people that, that, that it's just, it's more than the songs you see on the track listing. I wonder how many of like the all time, you know, fish shows like the dialing tour and stuff like that. I wonder how many of those shows were voted best of by people that weren't even in attendance. Mm. Mm. Yeah, for sure. You know? Because like well, we, the vast majority we, weren't in attendance. That's what I mean. But I think you have like those shows where you know you weren't there to hear it because if you were there to hear it, it wouldn't matter what they would have played. It just would have been the best show because all these other things were happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, time has time has told that story. But yeah, who knows? Who knows? Right? You know, those venues hold like you know, like Island Tour. Uh, what those arenas are between ten and fourteen, fifteen thousand people, maybe. And their fan base is hundreds of thousands strong. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? It's just one of those things, right? The collective masses get to decide that somehow. And it just becomes what it becomes. Well, but I mean, like, there's hardly ever been a show where people are like, you got to hear that, where you're disappointed. You're like, shit, you're right. I needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. You know? I do know. So, yeah, that's what I got for you today, man. Cool, dude. Sounds great. I'm not supposed to do this, am I? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I think so. Okay, I'll stop. I'll keep it all lined up. Your spine actually hates, it hates twisting. Yeah, yeah. It I think the last time I did that, you called me out on that. Yeah, so like the worst thing for your lower back is like to have it loaded. So like a squat, so like have like weight. So to be carrying something and then to be flexing and then to be twisting. Yes, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Workplace injuries, common. Like that one. Well, that's... Dude, look around when you're there. You'll be like, oh my God, don't do that. Yeah. Almost every person in my uh, store is lifting and moving freight boxes. Very few people don't. Incorrectly. Yeah.
All right, man. What a great note to end on. Keep it safe, everybody. <laughs> See you, bye. You've been listening to Ticket to Gamehenge. In addition to wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and of course, TicketToGameHenge.com, where you can grab a free chapter of the book, How to Get Your Friends Into Fish. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep sharing in the groove.